It is 5.33 here on the Thursday edition of the Todd and Oz Show. We're so glad you chose to join us. And uh, you can jump in on the conversation at 512-836-0590. And we always begin with the big stories. The White House's National Security Advisor and leading lawmakers on Capitol Hill sought to ease public concern after the House Intelligence Committee chairman warned of a national security threat related to a destabilizing foreign military capability so serious that President Joe Biden should declassify all information about it. We'll begin this morning with reporter Lynn it started when the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee released a statement that warned of what he called a destabilizing foreign military capability. So serious that President Biden should declassify all information about it. Representative Mike Turner said this would allow Congress, the administration, and U.S. allies to discuss openly a response to this threat. I want to assure the American people there is no need for public alarm. House Speaker Mike Johnson. We are going to work together to address this matter as we do all sensitive matters that are classified. And beyond that, uh, I'm not at liberty to disclose classified information and really can't say much more. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan also wouldn't say much more about the nature of the threat. Standing here at the podium today, I, I can't share anything further. Two sources have said the threat has to do with Russia wanting to put a nuclear weapon into space, a weapon that could possibly be used against satellites. But without confirming or denying those reports, Sullivan did say this yesterday. I am a bit surprised that Congressman Turner came out publicly today in advance of a meeting on the books for me to go sit with him alongside our intelligence and defense professionals tomorrow. That meeting is today, and House Speaker Mike Johnson told reporters on Capitol Hill, steady hands are at the wheel, we're working on it, and there's no need for alarm. While Jake Sullivan reiterated, I'm confident that President Biden, in the decisions that he is taking, is going to ensure the security of the American people going forward. And I will stand here at this podium and assert that, look you in the eye with confidence, that we believe that we can and will and are protecting the national security of the United States. Linda Kenyon, Washington. It is 535, three days after winning the Super Bowl in a thrilling overtime victory. Players for the Kansas City Chiefs reacted with sadness and thoughts for the victims after a shooting near their victory celebration left 22 people shot, including one person who has died. Uh, more on the story with reporter Pamela Fur. 28 people were injured altogether. 22 of those were shot, and at least nine of those were children. Kansas City radio station KKFI says one of its DJs, Lisa Lopez, died in that shooting. Kansas City Police Chief Stacy Graves. Three persons detained and under investigation for today's incident. Now, investigators are reviewing videos and asking for any the public might have that could help in the investigation. Homeland Security, the FBI, and ATF are assisting. Parades, rallies, schools, movies. It seems like almost nothing is safe. And we had hundreds of law enforcement there working hard today. Mayor Quentin Lucas. I'm heartbroken. First of all, I'm praying for the victims and the family's impact. I start with them. Um, I'm incredibly upset, disappointed. I was there with my wife. I was there with my mother. Uh, we never would have thought that we, along with Chiefs players, along with fans, hundreds of thousands of people, would be forced to run for our safety today. 
schools in Kansas City were closed so that kids could attend this parade for the Super Bowl champs. Lucas says the threat of mass shootings is becoming a regular concern in large crowds. We had over 800 officers there, staffed, situated all around Union Station today. We had security in, in any number of places, eyes on top of buildings and beyond. And there still is a risk to people. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs issued a statement of support and prayers for the victims. We're told they were all on buses after the parade when the shots were fired. I'm Pamela Fur. It is 537. Lawyers for the U.S. Department of Justice will be in federal court here in Texas trying to stop one of the toughest immigration laws in U.S. history from taking effect. In December, Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed the controversial bill into law. It goes into effect in March. The goal of Senate Bill 4 is to stop the tidal wave of illegal entry into Texas. It would make it a crime to illegally enter the state from Mexico, allowing local police to arrest migrants and judges to deport them. The ACLU of Texas will join the DOJ in a federal court in Austin trying to block it. ACLU attorney David Donati calls it blatantly unconstitutional. It is the state of Texas usurping a power that belongs to the United States. It will invite racial profiling. Newsman Chris Fox reporting. Meanwhile, a migrant, an illegal alien who assaulted a New York police officer in Times Square last week, has been arrested again. This time for a different crime, as we hear from newsman Bill Malusian. 19-year-old Darwin Andres Gomez Isquiel is accused of assaulting a Macy security guard and stealing clothes worth over $600 and is now back in custody for this new crime. Now, before he was captured, NYPD posted in part, quote, one of the migrants who assaulted our officers last week in Times Square is back at it again. This time, he was part of a group that robbed a department store in Queens. They also assaulted an employee. Meanwhile, police are still looking for three others that may have been involved in that robbery. A draft plan by Immigration and Customs Enforcement calls for a massive release of detainees to cope with the massive budget shortfall. ICE claims it's $700 million over budget now that the immigration reform bill has failed, and the agency is working with a way to save money. Carrollton immigration attorney Nathan Christensen says many of those who could be turned loose have criminal convictions on their record. By this actually happening... An immigration saying, look, we don't have the capacity to, to uh, house all these people. They're essentially saying they're going to have to let out some people who have been convicted of crimes while they fight their immigration case. But to be sure, Christensen says this is a draft plan, and he has seen tactics used before in immigration matters where a worst-case scenario has been presented as a bargaining tool. Newsman L.P. Phillips reporting, it is 540. It's been three years since that historic winter storm took its grip on the state of Texas and cut power to so many people. Well, now a former Austin City Council member, now Austin Congressman Greg Kassar, is presenting a plan called the Connect the Grid Act to force ERCOT, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, to connect with the major electric grids in other parts of the country. CBS Austin KI News reporter Abigail Velez explains. An island of its own. That's how Dr. Daniel Cohan of Rice University describes the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, or ERCOT. Most of the western U.S. up into... Western Canada is well connected with one big interconnection. But for now, um, just physically, ERCOT can't connect much with other grids. He says in order for ERCOT to connect to the national grids, new transmission lines would need to be built specifically direct current lines that would allow power to be moved between Texas and other states. 
you'd be looking at at least about a 10-year effort between uh, getting proposals for lines to be built, getting permits and approvals, and then actually uh, building the lines. For now, there just aren't enough lines for ERCOT to be meaningfully connected to uh, the other two main grids that the country uh, that operate in the United States. With the bill being introduced just hours ago, Austin Congressman Greg Kassar says he knows there's a long road ahead. Whether you care about infrastructure or jobs or just keeping the lights on or renewable energy, connecting the Texas grid has to be part of the answer. Kassar says there's parts of Texas that aren't connected to ERCOT that he's looking towards for guidance. El Paso which is actually interconnected to the West and places like Beaumont that are actually already interconnected to the East, they didn't see mass power outages like the rest of the state did. 90% of the state is isolated on the island. Kassar says although the bill is in its preliminary stages, he hasn't struggled to gain bipartisan support. It starts making common sense for us to be able to share electricity and create a market that's more competitive for everyone. A more competitive market will drive down prices and increase our reliability of our electric infrastructure. Dr. Cohen adds it's a way for Texas to import and export energy as needed. Texas generates a huge amount of wind and solar power. Solar farms uh, continue to grow. And so most of the year we would probably be exporting power from Texas and we would bring power in when we need it most. CBS Austin reporting. Welcome back. It's 548. Billionaire Elon Musk says he's moving SpaceX, a state of incorporation from Delaware to Texas, after a Delaware court voided his Tesla pay package. Musk making the announcement of the move quite appropriately on his social media site, X. It comes two weeks after his $56 billion compensation package was voided. A package which is, by far, the largest ever provided to an executive, contributing to his position as one of the world's wealthiest people. Gary Baumgarten, Fox News. It is 549. The Department of Treasury has confirmed that politically charged search terms such as MAGA and Trump were used to surveil private bank transactions following January the 6th protest at the U.S. Capitol in 2021. Newsman Kevin Cork explains. These were all included in the push by federal investigators for banks to surveil private financial transactions following the protest at the Capitol on January the 6th. That according to a letter obtained by Fox News Digital. A letter from Treasury to Senator Tim Scott notes that exchange events uh, convened it by its financial crimes enforcement network or FinCEN began shortly after January the 6th. In his letter, by the way, Senator Scott wrote that the surveillance represented a flagrant violation of Americans' privacy and the improper targeting of U.S. citizens for exercising their constitutional rights all without due process. It is newsman Kevin Cork reporting at 5.50 with a look at Thursday business, here's reporter Jessica Edinger. Wall Street opens this morning after a really nice finish for the major averages yesterday. They were kind of hovering around the flat line, but they finished higher, recouping some of Tuesday's losses. The S&P 500 index is back at 5,000. We're going to go green, and the S&P may just get 5,000 again at the close. 
trying to settle right there. CNBC's Scott Wapner with last night's closing call and a sigh of relief for investors. Some say the tick higher for inflation in January really needs to be put into context. Put it a little bit of perspective. It's one number and we've had a long list of better numbers before this. Glenview trusts Bill Stone on CNBC. Bitcoin, watch that today. It popped back up over 52,000 last night. It's highest since December of 2021, up 20% this month. Lyft shares up 35 percent yesterday after a pop and drop on a mistake in its quarterly report. It's a terrible thing. It is an extra zero that slipped into a press release. And, uh, uh, you know, thank goodness we caught it pretty fast and we issued an immediate correction. Lyft CEO David Risher on CNBC. Yeah, I think that this would be SEC investigation trying to figure out whether this whether there was anybody who uh, may have been involved in some sort of chicanery, which I don't think is the case. And then you'll take a look at all the people who bought it during that period. They got a decent lawsuit, even though it was after hours. Uh, all that said, it's a shame. It was a real good quarter. CNBC's Mad Money host Jim Cramer. Mortgage rates are surging higher. The average rate on a 30-year fixed home loan back over 7% at 7.1%, according to Mortgage News Daily. Thousands of Porsches and Audis have been impounded at U.S. ports. The FT says they've been found to have components made in China that broke anti-forced labor laws. It looks like Disney is paying up to keep showing the college football playoffs. Disney's ESPN and the college football playoff appearing to come to terms on a new broadcast deal. According to reports, the six-year agreement would cost the network $1.3 billion a year and allow it to keep exclusive rights to the 12-team playoff throughout the 2031 season. The deal can't be finalized until the CFP works through other outstanding issues regarding the format and revenue distribution. CNBC's Silvana Hanau. Reminder, ESPN will debut its own streaming service next year. So if you want to watch, you're probably going to be paying up if you don't have cable. On today's watch list, earnings are coming from Shake Shack, Deer, Hyatt Hotels, Jeep, Parents, Stellantis, to name a few. We find out how many people applied for unemployment benefits last week. Thousands are at Daytona for Speed Week, ahead of the Daytona 500 this Sunday and the start of the NASCAR season. Upon us once again, CNBC's Jessica Ettinger with a look at Thursday. It is 5.53. Ever thought the world without passwords? Well, what might replace them? Fox reporter Anna Epiopoulos reports on new security method for employees. Fox on set. Work passwords could be getting phased out for body scans. According to a Wall Street Journal report, biometrics experts say companies can use facial recognition and other biometric scans to allow access to anything from a parking garage to a work computer, locking out those who aren't recognized or cleared by the tech. The report says switching to the new technology could replace the need for remembering a badge or a password and offer stronger protection, but could also cause concerns of how businesses use biometric data. Most companies that employ it say they encrypt and anonymize employee info for their protection. And it isn't considered a foolproof method yet, with one security expert warning that currently there aren't great protocols should the biometric tech make a mistake, such as confusing someone's fingerprint or facial scan. Security experts, though, say biometric data provides more convenient logins, as well as added protection, including against cyber attacks for the company. With Fox on Tech, I'm Anna Eliopoulos, Fox News. 
Military Matters. The National Security Supplemental awaiting House approval includes more than just Ukraine military aid. It focuses on missile defense to protect Israeli cities. $4 billion for the Iron Dome and David Sling air defense systems. $1.2 billion for a laser system to counter short-range rocket threats, something the U.S. could also use to protect U.S. troops at bases across the Middle East. Then there's $1.9 billion for DOD to backfill weapons the U.S. already sent to Taiwan from U.S. stockpiles. The $60 billion for Ukraine includes $48.4 billion for weapons, $19.9 billion for the Pentagon to backfill weapons already sent to Ukraine. A study by the conservative-leaning American Enterprise Institute shows that 90% of the $68 billion the U.S. has already sent to Ukraine supports weapons factories and jobs in the U.S. For Military Matters at the Pentagon, Jennifer Griffin, Fox News. The Todd and Oz Show is live. Get in on the conversation at 512-836-0590. Yeah, come on. Now, here are Todd and Oz. Get in here. Yeah, jump in at 512-836-0590. I'm Todd Jeffries. He's Patrick Osborne. Vandy, our producer, is here, too. And, uh, yeah, you can join us anytime you want at 512-836-0590. Listen, I wasn't going to start here, but... I have to, just because of that soundbite I heard from Gregorio Casar in your newscast there. <laughs> and it was actually when I was trudging through the snow one night that we got the news Who that Governor Abbott was going on national television to talk about the storm, to blame wind turbines yeah. for the grid's collapse. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that guy right there wants to uh, totally dismantle the uh, the ERCOT electric power grid because of, because of wind turbines. <laughs> what? Wind turbines. He calls them wind turbines, and he's the guy that thinks he's an expert on uh, all things power grid here in the state of Texas. What the uh, H is going on? He's a little Marxist. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'd like to point My out to Greg. My name is Gregorio Eduardo Casar, and I'm proud to be your council member. Hush up. I'd like to point out to Greg the fact that we had the problem in 2021. The grid did uh, have some yeah. major issues. We didn't have uh, in 2022 or even 2023 grid problems. However, we did have Austin Energy problems. That was a local thing, and you helped kind of destroy the city, Greg. Well, we'll get to that. we got a a deeper report on that story coming up in business news, coming up uh, at 620 this morning. Uh, A side note to the story, uh, Kathy Tovo, former city council member who is desperately on a mission to be the mayor of Austin, Texas, agrees with Gregorio Casar. She does indeed. She doesn't even talk about, you know, the details or just why, just... Well, he's he's a progressive, so she supports him, I guess. Congratulations, Comrade Kassar. Yeah. I think that was her message. Listen, uh, this story about a serious national security threat is causing some major concerns. I'll be honest with you, the uh, the text or the tweet that Mr. Mike Turner tweeted out yes- yesterday afternoon was uh, rather unsettling. And uh, and I'm curious, did he, did he tweet it out real fast because he just got back from Ukraine with a visit with Zelensky? Just curious. Uh, jump in at 512 512- Eight three six zero five ninety. Well, lawmakers say there's no reason to panic right now. Uh, here's the story. House Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Turner sounding the alarm on what he calls a serious national security threat. And he's calling on President Biden to, quote, declassify all information relating to this threat so that Congress, the administration and our allies can openly discuss the actions necessary to respond to this threat. Sources tell me that the threat does concern Russian capability, noting the potential seriousness is grave, but it's not immediate. If Russia did put nukes in space, it would break the 1967 out 
Outer Space Treaty, which bans nuclear weapons in outer space. All right, there you go. That's uh, Fox reporter Brooke Singman. Now, the uh, White House National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, he's expected to brief uh, lawmakers later this afternoon on the, quote, serious national security threats. He was kind of caught off guard in a press conference yesterday on this issue. Well, yeah, I, I mean, if, if, if this is so, so serious and, and, and pressing, is this really something he needs to go blasting all over social media? Like, no, is that how no. you really need to tell people this? No, no Mike Turner, uh, he was uh, rather irresponsible, I think. I think so. And especially because, from what I understand, the, this this threat described doesn't even involve necessarily like any sort of active capabilities Russia even has in space. It's just concerns yeah. with uh, you know a series of space launches and, and things like that. But if it's not even an active capability, from what I understand, then why why make this big stinker and then you rattle everybody's cages? I don't think maybe he's just trying to encourage, uh, you know, some Republicans to say yes to a big Ukrainian bond package in the House. That makes sense. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, that, that could very well be. Listen, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade, it turned into a tragic scene yesterday, and uh, at least three people have been arrested in a, in a shooting. Mm-hmm. One person killed. At least, uh, well, almost uh, two dozen others uh, injured. Many children involved. Now, uh, one side of the story is pretty interesting. Paul Contreras, uh, a Kansas City Chiefs fan that was there for the parade. There was a massive crowd, several hundred thousands of people there. I think they, they, they had predicted could be a million people there. Mm-hmm. But um, this, this Kansas City Chiefs fan, Paul Contreras, apparently was nearby when the shooting began and uh, saw one of the shooting suspects running, and he was able to chase him down and tackle him. Good for him. Uh, this was all caught on camera right here. One guy was hollering and saying, you know, stop him, or catch him, you know, tackle him, whatever. And he's just, just bailing running. And out of nowhere, I heard that guy hollering, so I'm just like, okay, well, I'm right here. And I just, I didn't think about it. It was just a reaction. I didn't hesitate. It was just, just do it. So I went to go tackle him, and another gentleman did the same thing. And as I'm tackling him, I see his weapon either fall out of his hand or out of his sleeve because he was wearing a long jacket or like a Carhartt. So when I seen that hit the ground, I'm like, oh, you know, we got to take this guy down. And so... Like I said, I did, and another good Samaritan did, and we held him down. And it seemed like forever, but it probably was. It was like 30 seconds holding him down, and me and the other gentleman are hollering at ongoers, you know, where's the cops? We're, you know, get the cops over here, get the cops over here. You know, we got them. Yeah, there you go. Paul Contreras, uh, Kansas City Chiefs fan, uh, jumping to action. And what a scene it was as this uh, all unfolded. At least 22 people were confirmed shot, including one who was killed at that Chiefs Super Bowl rally. Viral video posted on social media, however, appears to show the unbridled heroism of those in the vicinity of one of the alleged shooters. These folks risking life and limb to take down the alleged assailant, an incredible scene to be sure. Eight of the victims who were shot had immediately life-threatening injuries. Another seven suffered life-threatening injuries, and six more had what we are told are minor injuries. Yeah, Kansas City's uh, police chief Stacy Graves says uh, that uh, three people have been detained, and uh, and they continue to investigate. So yeah, there you go. That's just some of the latest there. It's very tragic and unfortunate. The 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 woman that died uh, was uh, apparently she worked for KKFI, a radio station there, and uh, a wife and a mother of two, and I think she was only forty years old. Uh, it's a real senseless scene that, that absolutely didn't need to unfold there. 
617 here on the Todd and Oz Show. Listen, a bill has been filed in Washington, D.C. this week by former Austin City Councilman Greg Kassar that would strip control of the Texas power grid away from ERCOT. Kassar says his Connect the Grid Act is, is needed to prevent uh, rolling blackouts that we saw back in 2021. And it was actually when I was trudging through the snow one night that we got the news that Governor Abbott was going on national television to talk about the storm to blame wind turbines mm. for the grid's collapse. Turbines. Turbines did that. Winds, yeah. winds turbines. Winds turbines did that, yes. Well, anyway, <laughs> the bill would uh, hook Texas up uh, to both the eastern and the western grids, and Texas would send excess solar and wind generation to other states. Is there excess wind and solar generation? Is there? I, I, I've Is never there? heard. I mean, you know, Is sometimes, there? I think I think over the summer we were pumping out yeah. some wind generation. Yeah, because, because during the any kind of cold day, uh, freezing temperatures and ice. When did solar are useless? Uh, well, they're a waste of time. Natural gas is the only thing that keeps us alive during those kinds of days. Now, if Greg Kassar is allegedly representing Texas as a, as a congressman, mm -hmm. then um, why why is he advocating for us giving away our excess power generation when we could have it as a you know as a backup in case the, uh, we have the the blackouts again yes. as he calls them? Yes. Well, uh, he's he's got a couple of other lawmakers. In fact, he's got a, a mayor's candidate on his side here in town. Kathy Tovo likes this idea. She, she does. She she can't explain why. She just she just likes it. CBS Austin KI News reporter Abigail Velas, here's what she had to say about the story. An island of its own. That's how Dr. Daniel Cohan of Rice University describes the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, or ERCOT. Most of the western U.S. up into western Canada is well connected with one big interconnection. But for now, um, just physically... ERCOT can't connect much with other grids. He says in order for ERCOT to connect to the national grids, new transmission lines would need to be built, specifically direct current lines that would allow power to be moved between Texas and other states. You'd be looking at at least about a 10-year effort between uh, getting proposals for lines to be built, getting permits and approvals, and then actually uh, building the lines. For now, there just aren't enough lines to, for ERCOT to be meaningfully connected. Yeah, there you go. So uh, CBS Austin KI News reporting there. And can you imagine what this would cost? I mean, he, he himself said this could take uh, more than a decade just to get started. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And can you imagine? Well, here's what would happen. If if uh, if Greg Gregorio Casar gets his way, your energy bills will skyrocket and you will experience the same number of blackouts just like the state of California does currently. Yeah, I, and and he's he's going to he's going to try to sell it as as something that's not only going to make it more reliable here in Texas but also more affordable. But that that's just not how it's going to be. And honestly, I don't I don't want the federal oversight that would come along with it to be to be honest, and that's the whole reason that Texas is on its own little uh, you know grid island in the first place. It was written up like that because, you know, that way Texas could have much more control, keep the regulation in the hands of, you know, Texas politicians as opposed to federal politicians. And I guess, you know, the enemy, you know, right? I, 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 don't, I don't want this in the federal hands. One texter pointed out that uh, during that freeze, uh, there was no way to send any excess power. There That's wasn't right. any. That's right. Right? That's right. And since then, we really haven't had any significant grid problems. There's, you know, there's a lot of talk when it gets real hot real cold, you go and you look, and, and ERCOT may say, well, look, we're just putting out a call for conservation. Everything's fine, 
But, you know, just help us out a little. Can you mention the lawsuits that would try to stop this? Just coming from the state of Texas alone. Texas would fight hard. Sure, absolutely. There'd be a lot of billionaires in court to stop this. And I would support that fight. I, I You know, this is just not... We don't, I, don't, I don't want this. Well, listen, uh, Governor Greg Abbott uh, just last week uh, came out with a report saying that we needed to increase our power capacity by 15% yeah. just because of the influx of new residents. Mm-hmm. And we need to think about that every year for the next several years. So, uh, yeah, we need some attention to the power grid. But no not, we don't need that. to give it away. We need more natural gas, you know. But the you know the Biden administration has been restricting that yeah. LNG, and we need nuclear power plants. I think that I, that's what I really think Big would time. be a, a game changer for this whole world. How come? Uh, well, I, I know why. I know why the left is so against uh, nuclear powers because it would solve all of the climate problems that they talk about. They wouldn't be able to cry about you know a dirty carbon polluting uh, you know power generation stations anymore. Do me a favor, can somebody Vandy maybe you could google this. How long can a nuclear submarine stay out at sea? A year, two years? I don't know. Well, with, with all of that nuclear power and so many people on one ship, you know it's uh anyway, uh you can join us at 512 512- Eight three six zero five ninety. I mean, I guess theoretically, indefinitely, right? As long as the reactor core was maintaining properly. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, people would get hungry after a while. Yeah, but uh, I well, mean, there's too many stories in our history about scary nuclear energy plants going, you know, exploding and burning and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But people don't realize that there wasn't a lot of people that died in Chernobyl. There wasn't the initial explosion, of course, but. There wasn't tens of thousands of people that perished because of nuclear fallout. And that was a long time ago. You know, I mean, even though we haven't really invested as heavily into it as we probably should have, we've still made progress in terms of safety regulations, things like that for nuclear plants. I'm all I'm all for new. Listen, here's uh, here's what ERCOT says. Uh, CBS reached out to them and they issued a statement. ERCOT has no comment on this legislation, which has not been filed yet. Any proposal to interconnect ERCOT with other regions raises potential significant and economic and reliability considerations that the Public Utility Commission of Texas is best situated to evaluate in its role as the state agency responsible for overseeing the design of ERCOT market. And, uh, and the development of the grid, too. Uh, they, they go on to say that the commission has recently initiated a proceeding to consider issues relating to the interconnection of other regions. ERCOT will continue to participate in that proceeding and looks forward to the commission's guidance. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's really, I mean, obviously, you, you don't have to argue hard uh, to, to make the argument that Greg Kassar is a slimy scumbag politician. And, and that's what we're, he's using the deaths of people and from and during winter storm Yuri as a way to further his latest you know little stunt and and uh, and Beto O'Rourke kind of falls in that same kind of camp you know as he was running the gubernatorial campaign it almost sounded like he wanted it to crash again just so he could point the finger at Greg Abbott and say see so I, I it's really slimy when you're using the deaths of people to try to push something like this. Listen, we got an update on uh, that car crash in the emergency room there at St. David's. Well, police in Austin, they've identified the woman who has uh, crashed uh, her car into the hospital emergency room. Uh, This happened Tuesday evening about 530-ish. Officer Ariel Crum says that driver was 57-year-old Michelle Holloway. uh, There's no indication at this time that this is an intentional act, nor does it indicate that the driver suffered from a medical episode. The circumstances are still under investigation. Now, there you go. What do you think? I, I listen. I, I, You're shaking I, your head. There's over just that. this that doesn't add up to me. I mean, you know, my my dad when my dad was dying of cancer, uh, he spent a lot of time there. I spent a lot of time there. It's not an area that you just accidentally punch the gas and then pop through a wall. 
uh, I, I just it, it wasn't medical. It wasn't intentional. I don't I, I don't buy that it was just accidental. I mean, I guess anything's possible, right? But there's just something that's not adding. I feel like we're not really being told what happened. Well, you can you know you've heard of these stories where uh, an elderly person kind of panics and punches the gas instead of the brake and you know drives through the Seven Eleven wall that kind of thing. There's been stories like that. Yeah, this is a little bit different. This is a 57 year old woman in. Uh, I don't know. It just seems odd, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, when you're when you're talking about like drive through the front of a Seven Eleven, often they they've got a straight shot as they're trying to right. just park in that parking spot directly in front of the door. Yeah, but if you've been there, you know, there are speed bumps all over the place. There, uh, you know, you got to wind your way in under this little you know covered area. And, it's a maze. And it, yeah, it, it's just. I'm having a hard time believing that there's not more to it. Well, three adults, two kids, they were in that waiting room. They were injured. So there were uh, They were taken to other hospitals for treatments. Five other patients who were already in the ER, they were also moved as well. 57-year-old Michelle Holloway was killed, not believed she did this intentionally or had a medical event. First responders tried to save her life with CPR. Dr. Peter DeYoung, chief medical officer for St. David's North Austin Medical Center, says... When this happened, there was a loud noise. The facility knew something was going on and people descended from all parts of the hospital to rally together um, and to jump into what was a very unknown and dangerous situation. He says three staffers got her sedan stopped. Smoke from the tires, spinning wheels filled up the waiting room and the vehicle hit a big aquarium which absorbed a lot of the impact. DeYoung says that what? saved lives. The crash injured five people, including two kids. I'm not sure how much the aquarium stopped the impact. Uh, it, the car went through a brick wall. Yeah, the, <laughs> I think the wall did most of the work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably the aquarium behind you, know, the wall behind the aquarium, yeah. But it definitely did hit that aquarium. And yeah. uh, I, I, I mean, we were very fortunate here that, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that this woman, Michelle, uh, very tragic. died. But, I, you know, we were very fortunate that more people didn't because, I mean, you know, nobody's expecting the car to come Kool-Aid man and through the wall Maybe she in an was ER. Trying, maybe know? she was trying to take her own life. 633 here on the Todd and Oz Show. You can join us, too, at 512-836-0590. The House Intelligence Committee uh, Chairman, uh, Representative uh, Mike Turner, the Republican, he uh, he tweeted something out yesterday afternoon that really, really got the world's attention, didn't it? Sure he, did. he tweets out, Today, the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence has made available to all members of Congress information concerning a serious national security threat. Quote, I am requesting that President Biden declassify all information relating to this serious threat so that Congress, the administration, and our allies can openly discuss the actions necessary to respond to this national security threat. That sounds pretty serious, well, doesn't it? sure it? does. That sounds like all hands on deck. What's going on yeah, here? Yeah. Right? Kind of irresponsible of him. I would call it extremely irresponsible. On, I mean, let's let's say it was a pressing issue that was happening right then and there that day, and it was that important. Why, why are you going to go blasting it out everywhere? If you got, you should probably be hashing it out as a government would, a well, responsible government. He sounds like the kind of man that scares the women and children when the popcorn burns. There's a fire! There's a fire! <laughs> Reporter Linda Kenyon has more on the story. It started when the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee released a statement that warned of what he called a destabilizing foreign military capability. So serious that President Biden should declassify all information about it. Representative Mike Turner said this would allow Congress, the administration, and U.S. allies to discuss openly a response to this threat.
I want to assure the American people there is no need for public alarm. House Speaker Mike Johnson. We are going to work together to address this matter as we do all sensitive matters that are classified. And beyond that, uh, I'm not at liberty to disclose classified information and really can't say much more. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan also wouldn't say much more about the nature of the threat. Standing here at the podium today, I, I can't share anything further. Two sources have said the threat has to do with Russia wanting to put a nuclear weapon into space, a weapon that could possibly be used against satellites. But without confirming or denying those reports, Sullivan did say this yesterday. I am a bit surprised that Congressman Turner came out publicly today in advance of a meeting on the books for me to go sit with him alongside our intelligence and defense professionals tomorrow. That meeting is today, and House Speaker Mike Johnson told reporters on Capitol Hill, steady hands are at the wheel, we're working on it, and there's no need for alarm. While Jake Sullivan reiterated... I am confident that President Biden, in the decisions that he is taking, is going to ensure the security of the American people going forward. And I will stand here at this podium and assert that, look you in the eye with confidence, that we believe that we can and will and are protecting the national security of the United States. Linda Kenyon, Washington. All right, 635. You can jump in here at 512-836-0590. Let's go to uh, Robert. He's uh, currently in uh, South Austin this morning. Good morning, Robert. Yeah, good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I was watching the the war room last night with Steve Bannon on uh, America's Voice, and uh, he had a, a segment on uh, this Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Turner, and uh, it was very unflattering review of him. He was uh, an appointment of uh, Kevin McCarthy, and not ver- considered very capable of, of doing the job, and. Uh, yeah, we, we, mayor of yeah, yeah, we, we got that. Yeah, we understand that, you know, it's, we, we get that. But what do you think about the story? Well, I think I think that he handled it poorly. You just don't, as a chairman of a committee, you just don't come out and make a blanket-wide alarmist statement like that. You go to your to the House Speaker and share your concerns with them and then, you know, handle it properly, you know, and let the, the Speaker leadership... Yep. You know, talk to the president and his national security advisors. It was handled very poorly. It no was, doubt uh, about that. Now, now, what do you think about the uh, the actual story itself and the possibility of some sort of uh, threat in space uh, from Russia? I, I I think it's very unlikely. I I you know Russia. I, I just don't think that they have that capability. I I just I would be very surprised. I mm-hmm. I'm very skeptical. Well, well if I, they do, then I, then we why I mean you'd have to assume that we would probably have a similar technology or at sure, least something sure. to intercept something like that. And, and sometimes this is just propaganda, right? To uh, to scare things, scare people. And it, and it's you know what? It's a great distraction from the old uh, you know uh, friendly older man who uh, has right. has been losing his memory. Right, right. right. It's a, it's a nice little distraction from that. It's just it's 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 a bit obnoxious. Because you know it's it's this vague thing. Turner rolls in like he's Paul Revere, and next thing you know, you got lawmakers entering the exit, secure facilities in the Capitol. The uh, you know talking talking amongst one another, only to come out and say, well, yeah, it, it's a serious issue, but it's it's not like it's going to ruin your Wednesday. We're you know we're it's in firm hands. We've been following this issue for a long time, mm-hmm. so it's 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 obnoxious the way it was all handled. Let's see uh, Martin in South Austin. Hey, Martin. As discussed yesterday on the Mark and Melinda show from 2 to 5, the possibility arose that perhaps he had tried to get um, 
the uh, intelligence community talking about it months ago, mm. and no one wanted to do it. And so now he was coming out and uh, forcing their hand. And that may be the case, right? That would be a different spin on the story, where there is a real threat, and he's trying to, be, you know, been trying to get people to talk about this and make it an issue. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you this, Martin. Does it make you want to say yes as a, as a member of the U.S. House to that, that aid package for Ukraine? <laughs> That was that's what I called them about yesterday on Mark Melinda's show. I said, maybe this is just another way to get people to call the congressman and say, yes, you know, send the money and all the kind of stuff. Yeah, so, take them out. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 I know. I There's get so you. so many possibilities. And in D.C., man, I don't put anything past any of those people. Yeah, I'm with you, Martin. I hear what you're saying. All right, it is uh, 639. Uh, you could jump in here at 512-836-0590. Yeah, with, uh, well, Russia nukes in space. Did you have that on your uh, bingo card for 2024 going into the election? Uh, Did you have that on there? No? I, actually, not not space nukes. I didn't have that. Didn't uh, have so, that on so there. I, I, I'm not going to get the bingo. Well, apparently, uh, hashtag false flag is trending on X uh, today and overnight uh, about a major, imminent, and grave, terrifying security threats. You know, that sort of thing. Well, according to ABC News, two sources familiar with uh, deliberations on Capitol Hill said the intelligence has to do with Russia wanting to put nuclear weapons into space. Mm. Well, they'd love that, right? Sure. Right? Sure. I okay. I mean, uh, they got it, the money to do that. It, I, they might, but I mean, and it makes sense that uh, that they that Russia would push for something like that. I mean, I'm sure Putin assumes everybody else is doing it. Speaker Mike Johnson, he says there's no need for uh, public alarm, and uh, you know there is a there's a threat, but he says there's no need for public alarm right now. And uh, and uh, Jake Sullivan, the uh, national security advisor for the administration, is set to uh, brief lawmakers later today on this very issue. <laughs> you know, I I. I I think that there's a lot of validity to the theory that this is just a, a ruse to get somebody to, you know, a few more people to support this ridiculous well, Ukraine the, aid package. There's probably a couple of things at play here, right? I mean, it could be just a distraction from Joe Biden's broken brain. Could be that. Uh, it could be a, an, a desperate attempt to, uh, you know, to get more funding for Ukraine's mm -hmm. uh, border with Russia, right? That sort of thing. But it also could be just an attempt uh, to, uh, to to paint Vladimir Putin as a bad guy because some people watched that Tucker Carlson interview and they got a different opinion of Vladimir Putin. Yeah. And it may be, you know, just uh, just a way to say, yeah, he's the bad guy. Remember him? Don't forget, he's the bad guy. There was a, uh, a Kremlin spokesman uh, who, who said, uh, it's obvious, let, uh, let's see what tricks that the White House is going to pull here next. So I think the Kremlin, at least that's their take on it, is ah. Uh, you know they're they're just trying to to make us all look bad here. Yeah, maybe so. But I wouldn't look. I wouldn't put something like this past Russia. I mean, it, they're Russians. You know, uh, it it they have uh, have new. I think they have had designs on nuclear capabilities for a long time. Well, let's don't be naive. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past the United States either. Man, man, oh man, this used to be a great country, didn't it? It used to be a great country. Yeah. Used to be a time where a transracial individual could make a whole lot of money on OnlyFans. <laughs> and this used to be a great country. I mean, you can't call yourself a free country if the transracial activist uh, can't make money on OnlyFans, can you? Well, is it that they is is it the issue is that they can't make money on OnlyFans, or if they can't make money on OnlyFans and be a public school teacher in Arizona? Maybe that's what is, it is. Is that what it is? We're talking about Rachel Dolezal. The disgraced former NAACP chapter leader who uh, misrepresented herself as black for years. 
has now been fired by an Arizona school district after officials learned about her OnlyFans page. Dolezal, who now goes by the name of, uh, what's her, what does she go by now? What's her handle now? Nikki Dailo? Is that what she's going by? I'll go, I'll go yeah, girl. I'll go with that. Well, anyway, uh, well, uh, nearly became homeless after finding herself in financial ruin after she was forced to resign as the chair of the Spokane uh, branch of the NAACP when it was exposed that she's a white girl. Well, the, notori- the notorious race hustler launched on OnlyFans account in 2021, trying to make ends meet. Sure. Selling some uh, some nudie photos, things like that, while she's in lingerie, that sort of thing. Well, anyway, uh, she had been employed by uh, the uh, Catalina Foothills Unified School District as an after-school instructor since August of 2023, when officials learned of her, uh, well, her racy social media content. And, uh, and here's a quote from uh, the district spokesperson, Julie Furbanks. She says, we only learned of the OnlyFans social media post yesterday afternoon. Her posts are contrary to the district's use of social media by the district employees policy and the staff. So, uh, well, she's no longer employed. <laughs> I, in 2017, I remember there was a... Uh... There was an article that came out that said that uh, she had only been able to find work offers in reality television and porn, nothing else. She and so that's why she decided to change her name. I guess. I guess so. <laughs> Give herself a, a better chance of, of, of finding something more uh, reputable, and then she blows it all with an OnlyFans page. Well, there you go. She's probably making some bucks and OnlyFans. There's some. Oh, I'm not knocking her for that. There's uh, there's weird customers out there for everybody. I mean, yeah, that's how you want to make your money. More more power too. You just, got what do you deserve, you little punk? Now she's just a part timer there at that school. She was making 19 bucks an hour, but now she's uh, no longer wor- working with kids. And I guess she's back to shaking her biscuits for uh, for money on uh, on uh, OnlyFans. Now, I, huh? I I mean, I guess there's a market out there for everything. Everybody's got their thing. Oh yeah, there's something. Yeah, but I mean, come on. I, Sports directors are into weird make, stuff, man. I just look at. I mean, she can't be making that much money. Huh? She she can't be making that much money. I bet she's making more than twenty bucks an hour. If she is, huh? That's Woo! A, that's a travesty. I don't know, man. Did you see some of the pictures? Yeah. Daily Mail has a couple. Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah. Kind of creepy. I just I, I I'm thinking that you know, she's. Girl. She's not top you billing, you know. More power to you. More power to you, Rachel. There you go. All <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. All right. 512-836-0590 here on the Todd and Oz Show. Listen, uh, new homeless housing projects, emergency shelters uh, could be coming to Austin, Texas, because that's what our political heroes do. They like to uh, accumulate your money and then buy useful things. And uh, then... And then just kind of just sit there and not use it. And congratulate themselves. And man, pat themselves on the back. Yeah. yeah. The city of Austin's homeless community can expect to see a 300% jump in available permanent supportive housing units uh, this year alone. Uh, just yesterday, uh, Tuesday rather, members of the Austin uh, Housing uh, Homeless Strategy Office and the Housing Department, they attended the city council's work session to talk about, uh, well, new emergency shelters and, and housing projects. Yeah, the organization uh, plans to add day-to-day operations to bridge shelters next month and provide new landlord incentives, continue the uh, PSH and rental housing development assistance programs, improve the local housing voucher program, and search for a new PSH partnership, among other developments. 
Here is the homeless strategy czar, uh, David Gray, for the city of Austin. Austin's homeless response system outperforms the national average for major cities, and we expect a 300% growth in permanent supportive housing units this calendar year. The PSH pipeline has more than 1,000 units, and that number should continue to go up uh, as we approve more loans and more financing for more developments. Now, KV reports currently statistics put Austin ahead of the rest of the United States when it comes to homeless individuals moving out of shelters into more permitted housing options. Mm. Now, the numbers are really low. That's why he's using a percentage to make it feel like it's a bigger number. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, the reason he's coming out to spin these numbers to make it sound better than it actually is, is because our current city manager has uh, come out and said that the city of Austin has been a total failure and nothing, uh, nothing, uh, nothing good has happened by throwing so much money at the homeless crisis. It's only gotten worse, he says. He did say that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, I guess, are expecting to uh, a more than... I think it's like 625, 630% increase in permanent supportive housing by 2026. Mm. They're going to be dumping a lot, a lot of money into this. Does that mean new hotels? Additional hotels? It may. Yeah. It may. It very well could. Yeah. Uh, or, well, you know, the, this city, with especially with this new zoning thing, you know, this city obviously likes uh, shared walls. So perhaps they're talking about, you know, their permanent supportive housing is, is uh, more along the lines of you building... With your tax dollars, you Maybe know, new so. row houses and townhouses and things like that. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, according to the story, uh, approximately 60% of Austin's homeless community has found supports in rapid rehousing. What's rapid rehousing? Sounds like it's an effective thing, right? Get yeah. them in a home real fast. I, 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 so I, that may be one of those things sort of not quite like the bridge shelter. It may be more closer housing related, but it's not permanent. It's ah. just a sort of temporary digs until we can find you something else that we can give you. Yeah. As we don't, as we continue to ignore the actual problems that put you out on the street in the first place. Basically, we'll just give you a roof back. Basically, you went from the tent under the bridge to some sort of uh, quick shelter. Yeah. Maybe at the marshaling yard. Could be. That's rapid rehousing. We we picked them up today and took them to the marshaling yard. Yeah. I, Maybe I, that's what it is. It, 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 you know, I mean, Rehousing, I'm I'm not sure if that's exactly a congregate shelter. It may be, but e either way, whatever the city does, they use all these fancy words, and nothing changes. It's true. It only gets worse. The number can, numbers continue to grow. Mm -hmm. Even even the city's uh, on account of this, and uh, and yeah, they still got their hands out. That's for sure. It is uh, six fifty three. Uh, you could jump in here at 512-836-0590 here on the Todd and Oz show, and. Uh, well, uh, this this story involving uh, Russia and the possibility of nukes in space really uh, really got Washington D.C. on its on the edge of its seat yesterday. Yeah, uh, Jake Sullivan is going to update lawmakers on this issue uh, uh, later today, and I and I guess we'll find out more details. Uh, jump in here five one two eight three six zero five ninety. Listen, uh, if you're an Austin taxpayer. The city council is expected to continue having you foot the bill for uh, what's called a guaranteed income program, which gives some folks $1,000 a month. No questions asked, no strings attached. Yeah, in a recent memo from uh, city manager Jesus Garza, he says the city is actively working on securing a new contract with a group that will uh, administer the program. And Garza says there will be some uh, changes, including more adults and some data collection on this front. Now, they started this, uh, I guess it was a little more than a year ago. And, uh, yeah. yeah, they hired a group to, uh, to, to pass out $1,000 a month to, uh, to families and individuals, uh, you know, designed to help them pay rent, I guess. Group called Up Together was the, was the one that was behind that that was uh, 
administering it. Uh, I think there were 135 total households getting one thousand bucks each. 135 households getting one thousand dollars, and uh, and they did a survey after a year asking them, hey. You know that money we gave you every month, that $1,000 we gave you a month, uh, every month for the past year? Is that okay? Did that work out for you? Do you want us to continue that? And unanimously, they all said, yes, please. <laughs> Color me shocked. Yes. Yeah. They, they say uh, participants, uh, Garza's memo says participants met at least one of the following criteria. Moving from homelessness toward permanent housing. Uh, have a filed eviction behind on rent for two or more months over the past year. Their household received a verbal or written warning about eviction. So, you know, you have to still meet these certain criteria. Yeah. Uh, but is this a way to keep people out of, uh, uh, off the streets? Is that what the goal is? Absolutely not. Oh. And you got to think, too, I, I haven't heard anything about this, but if they're going to continue this as everything has gotten more expensive, as the council itself will tell you affordability is getting worse, Yeah. they uh, are, are going to uh, probably. Up the up the amount they're going to pay every month. Oh, really? At some, well, at some point they're going to have to, right? The guaranteed incomers are going to get a raise. Well, I haven't heard anything, but I mean, you just have to assume it's going to it's got to keep up with inflation, right? That's true. The Todd and Oz Show weekday mornings five to ten on News Radio KLBJ.